Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, Dave here, and you're listening to The Cinemile, the podcast where we walk home from the movies. But we're not doing that today. Today we're talking about video games. My wife, Kathy, is not here today because she don't want to play no video games. But I found someone who does, my friend Tom Silcock, who joins me every year to tell me all about the games I missed. Hi, Tom. Hi. That's largely the crux of it, isn't it? I feel like I've been in the same boat this year, Dave. I've missed a lot of them. Yes, we should say in advance, normally, so we've done this for a few years now, and uh, normally I rely on Tom. To, I don't have time to play video games anymore, uh, much to my own uh, chagrin. And so I, I usually live vicariously through Tom at the end of the year, and he tells me about all the things I missed. Uh, and I and I struggle to put a top five together. And I was just about to text Tom, to, like, I'm sorry, Tom, I don't even have a top five this year. I have a top four. But then he beat me to it with his own text saying that he also has a top four. <laughs> <laughs> it's a top three and a half at best. It's been a weird year for games. I feel like there's there's not been heaps of releases worth jumping on. But we've got the big ones. We've, we've covered the main ones, I think. Don't play the games, Tom. It's not the game's <laughs> fault that you didn't play Famously, them. don't hate the player, hate <laughs> the games. Um, I guess we're just busy. We're just busy old guys now, you know? We don't, we That's the yeah. Time. That sounds that sounds right. <laughs> I think. Well, I and, and and also I suspect that there's a bit of crossover on our list. Um, nonetheless, we're going to crack on. So this is a, a classic uh, top four. You know, top four of the year. You know, people famous like format. Round round out their top fours. Uh, so let's let's get into it. So we'll go uh, as always. We don't know each other's lists. Uh, there won't be any spoilers for any of these games. Uh, but these are going to be uh, our our. By definition, these are our top four. They're the only four we play. I mean, <laughs> uh, but all of mine were good. I'm gonna uh, let you go first, Tom. So, what, Tom? What was your number four game? In my top four. This is the top four, and by extension, top the worst games that I've played this year. Oh, They're I, the only games. <laughs> I, I also forgot one caveat. Uh, I don't know if this applies to your list, Tom. But um, and, and I say this every year: the games I played this year. This is the top four games I played this year. Some of them didn't come out in 2023, uh, so they're not the top four games of 2023. Uh, just just to make this list even even more elaborate. And now that's what I call content. All right, yeah. <laughs> All right, go um, on, Tom. What's your number? No, sim- similar boat. I think that's fair as well. Like a lot of the games that come out in kind of like November, December of last year, kind of spill over into the games that you end up playing this year. So they might as well be in this year's release cycle. But that said, I have nonetheless uh, sprinted 
through as fast as I could in preparation for this as much of Spider-Man 2 as I possibly could Great. in time for it. You Have you played the other ones, Dave? I forget. I Yes, I, I bought a PS4 just to play Spider-Man, the first game, right? Because that was yeah. an exclusive title back in, what, 2017-ish, 2018 maybe? That's the one, yeah. It's Insomniac. They're the people who bought us Ratchet and Clank. And they're part of the, the Sony family. But no, just really, really good developers. Really, really tight gameplay on the original Spider-Man. Then they had Miles Morales, I think, than last year or the year before last. Which is also like a great build on that, sort of moving it into PlayStation 5 world. But Spider-Man 2, really, really well-rounded uh, as a game. It's more of what you love. And I think, you know, maybe there's something to say that's that's just a bit of sort of fan service, really. And they've not put too many innovations on the table. It all feels a little derivative of other things that they've already done. But nonetheless, the writing is just really tight. The humor, I think, is is quite befitting of uh, of all of the characters and, and lands nicely. I think that's something as well, as it feels like it is a Spider-Man game. All of the dialogue from Spider-Man feels genuine. I think that's a problem that Marvel have had generally with their films of the last few years, is where suddenly everyone's quipping like Spider-Man. It just gets a bit much, but like when you're in a Spider-Man world, I buy that. That's good. That's fair. That seems that seems honest. They're quip- um, quipping and thwipping. Quipping and thwipping. That's it. The two have to go together. It should be a caveat. It should be in the in the, <laughs> uh, the brand guidelines, I think. But no, really good. And I mean, as it's Spider-Man 2, you play with, get this, two Spider-Men. What? What? Two um, for one. <laughs> well, certainly that's how you start the game, where you're playing as both Miles and Peter, which is really nice. And the character swapping stuff, the kind of thing that featured in Grand Theft Auto By 5. Was that the one where they started swapping? Yeah, you yeah. can do that on the fly now. But as opposed to having a slightly bizarro sat nav like cutscene that takes you between characters it's instantaneous the load times are insane on the playstation 5 wow they really really start showing off with that it's like the fast travel as well it's like where do you want to be you're there there's no there's no loading there's no rotating things in a menu system i'm looking at you skyrim and others um although although why why do you want to fast travel in spider-man half the fun is is swinging around the city right well, exactly, yeah. And they've put some new um, traversal systems in as well. Like you have the additions of the web wings, which are really good so that you can sort of like move through the airstreams of the city, um, which is, you know, even even faster. I, I feel like a lot of the things that they're doing in the game now is just sharing off the technology and sharing off the uh, the hardware of the, um, of the PlayStation 5. It's almost a bit of a, a spec game in some respects because... There's, there was one mission where I think you end up moving through portals and they just zip you through the city. It's very reminiscent of uh, Rift Apart, which is also an Insomniac game. But you're, so, you're just showing off now. You're, just, you're loading this bit of the city in because you can. There's no real narrative reason for this. <laughs> it's just a right laugh. No, really good. Really, really strong. Um, the, you've got some introductions of some new characters. You've got the um, sort of the symbiote suit kind of thing. Very Venom-esque stuff that's uh, being weaved in you've also got the addition of craven the hunter yeah, who he, for some reason has an army but he, we, you know we, we, we'll gloss over that he's the big bad right yeah he's one? certainly yeah. Well, certainly one of the main bads as is always the case with the superman story a superman sorry the spider-man stories they get very conflated in terms of what factions are doing what and they try to kind of force factions into this as well which is always slightly unusual so you, you never just generic criminals they're always part of some sort of group well i guess yeah and that that's, that answers your question of why craven has an army because you got you have to have people to beat up minute to yeah. minute don't you <laughs> right but i almost there. feel like i don't want to suggest uh you know because 
it's very tempting to say, hey, I would have done things differently if I was a developer. I'm not. I don't know how to, how to do these things. But someone like Craven was interesting because you would have thought that that would have been an opportunity too. And I think other games have done this with re- well mixed success, I think, in the past. But when you're on a mission and then someone shows up to kind of really ruin your day, Yes, Craven would have been absolutely perfect for that, and maybe that happens in the later game, but I'm not sure. The the be- that's a great uh, show. The best example of that is the Resident Evil games, right? Where uh, mm, the the, yes. uh, the the nemesis guy shows up, and then the the other fella in Resident Evil Two who just will just and he's always following you, like, yeah, like it follows, like and he, and yeah, he just yeah, shows yeah. up to ruin your day. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's an interesting idea. Um, the the other thing I liked about the first Spider Man was the sort of. Uh, I get very fed up with open world games that don't put a lot of uh, thought into their side quests and they become very repetitive. Looking at you, Assassin's Creed. Um, <laughs> whereas I found that the first Spider-Man game at least had, like, I, I, I almost, I don't 100% games, but I, I wanted to with Spider-Man because the the variety of stuff you could do in the side quest was uh, entertaining and always different and interesting. It, does that carry over into the second game? Yeah, absolutely. That returns returns with force, I think. And they, they did this really well with the Miles Morales kind of um, standalone game as well, where it certainly wasn't, I mean, it wasn't priced as such. It wasn't a full game's worth of that kind of content, but it was a very easy game to 100% because to exactly your point, all of the stuff in it was really well thought out. And that continues on into this as well. Um, the world is very sort of populated with these fun little side quests to the point where you'll be swinging by one of them and think, you know what, I'll actually dip in and just complete that because it's there. And uh, I know it's not going to take me you know, 20 minutes to do some sort of time trial or something. It's just it's these quick, easy kind of sweep up things. And they're bespoke to both Miles and Peter as characters as well. So you each have kind of little quests that you can pursue on the side and they all seem to build to something as well which i think is really quite nice yes that's good yeah i like that because it doesn't just feel i think uh, often those things just feel like work or they feel like yeah a yeah isn't it's it like oh i gotta do 20 of this fucking fetch quest thing clean up jobs yeah, yeah no absolutely I, also looking at uh as good as they are rockstar needs to sort their stuff out because they're they're all, all their quests and side quests essentially boil down to pick up someone and go to a place. taxi service yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's boring the taxi simulator yeah. and, no, and, and part of the fun as we said of Spider-Man is just the travel it's just like it's so entertaining just to go from place to place okay well fantastic that's on uh, my things I that my long much longer list of things I wish I played in, <laughs> in, uh, in 2023 uh, but it didn't feel like I'd get the value out of buying a PS5 just for this game just yet so maybe I'll wait a couple of years uh, my my number four, I played on Nintendo Switch, but I think it's available everywhere at all good consoles, um, or even on the phone, I think. It's uh, Dead Cells. Did you ever play this? I did not. No, I've not heard of Dead Cells, I don't think. Yeah, Dead Cells is a fun little... Uh, it's it's a roguelike Metroidvania game, which is a... I, if you don't know what those things mean... Um, I love uh, the categories of video games have become so complicated now that they they reference games from twenty or thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's what... like a Souls like, isn't it? Yes. It's, uh, yeah. It's, oh, it's like another game. That's the only way we can describe like, it. Can we not come up with terms to describe these things? <laughs> like we used to have beat 'em ups. Like that's that's a, a yep. great phrase for what that thing is. You don't call it Street Fighter esque. Um, <laughs> So yeah, roguelike uh, means uh, that that is a, a genre which is typically includes permanent permanent death 
and uh, something that you have to repeat over and over again from from the beginning. Um, and Metroidvania refers to you know the, the the level design of games like Metroid and Castlevania, where there is a giant map that you unlock parts of um, by visiting. You know, you get a key or a laser weapon from another part of the map that unlocks the bottom right corner of the map and it's sort of slowly unraveled so this this game dead cells kind of combines those two things together you're presented with this uh, giant sort of uh, uh, medieval le- castle that you're uh, uh, you you are weirdly I, i'm not even gonna but there's no real plot to this game uh, i think you're a s- amoeba or something that okay that uh, uh I'm in. You have the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're an Amiga, a rogue Amoeba, and then you, you, you take over the body of a corpse at the beginning, and then, uh, and that they often like to explain the reason for this permanent death. So if your corpse dies, then you respawn in the beginning and get another corpse and keep going. But you're effectively starting the game again. But you build up. There's leveling up. There's uh, you get increasingly. It's it's kind of just a kind of a bit of an RPG in, in uh, action RPG in that you're just looting. And getting better gear and i, I kind of like that there's no story to this there's not much substance but the gameplay is good it's something you can just pick up you know whenever you feel like it play for 10 20 minutes two hours if you want um that's key isn't it i think that's really key for a good game in 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 this day and age where you can actually you don't have to sit down and be locked into a six hour mission you can actually just smash through a bit in 20 minutes so you get to where you get to save pick up where you left off Exactly, and it, it fits my lifestyle right now as a you know a, a working man and a father who where where you're just stealing time really here and there, uh, and I don't have the time to commit to something like a a Starfield spoiler. I haven't played that, um, or something where you really just have to just lose yourself in it. Uh, so that's my number four. I do I do recommend it. It's not got a whole lot of substance in terms of story or anything, but fun, quick kind of repetitive gameplay that rewards you um yeah the art style looks really stunning as well yes and and look that we're living in a golden age of like indie development aren't we where you've got massively these, these you know it's cost effective for studio for small studios or even just like developers or teams of two or three people coming up with some of the most uh interesting games that that are built on the shoulders of giants like uh like Metroid or Castlevania and, and just like iterating uh, uh, and, and a lot of the games I've spoken about on our annual podcast over the past couple of years, some of my favorites are into the breach, you know, that is by subset games. They're just two guys who made FTL, you know, um, just incredibly quick, smart designs with, you know, charming pixel graphics uh, and then, and away you go, you know, and you stick it up in the steam store and you, and you, you know, you smash it and so it's a yeah very interesting game i think game development has become very accessible um and that's my number four so tom what's your uh number three game of the year? well you mentioned it earlier and i think it's only fair that we talk about starfield uh bethesda's latest they've brought you the likes of the elder scrolls series skyrim um and of course the fallout series the much loved fallout series and they've taken upon on a new ip which they've been calling Starfield, uh, which is, how would you describe it? Sort of a spacefaring, science fiction, bit of a space opera uh, type story. They've set the art style as what they've called NASA punk, uh, to add to the many collections of punks after steampunk and cyberpunk. We now have NASA punk. Um, 
But yeah, it's in a very similar vein to sort of Mass Effect, elements of that, a bit of No Man's Sky, a bit of uh, Star Citizen-esque sort of exploration. Um, and you're playing as a member of the mysterious group Constellation on a mission to solve the remaining mysteries of the universe, sort of picking up on the legacy of what everyone else has forgotten, what NASA soon abandoned, and that's exploration. And it's set in this kind of The Expanse-esque uh, backdrop. You've got a lot of sort of human factions who colonies and, you know, military ones and, and other things. Um, and it creates this kind of like really rich uh, universe full of, of people and, and, you know, ideals and uh, competing factions all looking to to, to ex- exact different ends. It's very akin to sort of um, Skyrim and Fallout in that respect as well, where you have the different the different factions that are all at play and all add wonderful context against this kind of otherwise quite compelling story. Um in the background i mean you you've you've sunk many an hour into a bethesda game in the past haven't you dave my god yes um i would say 150 plus into skyrim and i got uh i think you know a quarter of the way through the main story yeah <laughs> sorry parthenax you're gonna have to take this one yourself <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's very easy to lose yourself in this as well. I, I think they've taken everything that's worked brilliantly in the past um, and they've, they've brought it sort of as up-to-date as they can. I still think it's running off the creation engine, which is the same engine that they've used to make uh, many of their games in the past. I think it's, it's a slightly updated version, but it, you're starting to see uh, the cracks in the paintwork now, I think, of, mm. of the, it, um, what would you call it, like the back end that they've put together to try and build this. It's nonetheless impressive, everything they've managed to cram into this. But um, yeah, there's still a bit of that textbook, that iconic Bethesda jank that sits across this. Yeah. A few glitches, a few textures not loading, uh, a few unusual cutscenes being interrupted by things that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. But I find that kind of charming and, and it's expected in a Bethesda game. And it's not like, like, to the cyberpunk level, you know, famously a few years ago, which where it was just kind of just broken at launch. Yeah. Bethesda games are kind of, there's never game breaking. It's just kind of charming jank. Like, like Fallout and, you know, there's a dog stuck in a wall or something. And it's like, it's not, yeah, it's not doing anyone any harm. It's just, it's not even really breaking my immersion. I'm just like, oh, look at that. I'm playing a Bethesda game. I think when you've got a game as as big and as ambitious as they try to pull together as well, I think like that is to be expected. And as you say, it's never game breaking. It's never going to undo your progress. Um, and you know, of course, they're patching all of the time as well, and they're doing the best in that respect. But I, you know, I think Starfield has received mixed reviews throughout the year because there's a lot of people who saw this in the same way that Cyberpunk was sort of advertised as well. It's like, oh, it's a first person shooter. In, you know, a sci-fi setting, I'm going to, as a modern warfare player, jump in and love every second of that. It's like, that's not the game Mm. that you're getting here. If you're going in expecting a a Bethesda game, you're getting a Bethesda game. You're going to have a wonderful time. But if you're expecting something else, then perhaps not. Well, they've got some smart embellishments on it, I think, to build from it. But at its core, it is definitely a Bethesda game. I uh, I watched a great video by the YouTuber uh, Nicky Jakey. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff. Uh, I, I recommend the listeners to look him up. But he does. Uh, he did a a video called Bethesda's game design is out is outdated, um, and he it's it comes from a very a place of love. But he kind of speaks to what you're describing as you know the uh, the cracks are starting to show a little. Um, and and one thing he he kind of described that wasn't working for him and in this setting i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this was like skyrim fallout 
you're walking right you know much like we said about the spider-man games you're kind of the journey is half the fun you know you're going to that destination you get distracted by a cave or whatever um but he said that 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 didn't translate as well into starfield because you're just going in a spaceship to a planet that's largely empty like did they bite off more than they could chew by adding all these planets and then you're just walking along an empty planet yeah i think so there's there's sort of two things to that i think because it's in space it effectively turns into a bit of a fast travel simulator um something that's uh, like the no man's sky did brilliantly as well with the procedural worlds and the and the landing stuff it was definitely a, a packed universe there that made a world of sense whereas this i think in order to keep it contained there's a lot of kind of loading from one place to another and to that end i remember some a reviewer referring to it as a bit of a telephone simulator but i mean find me a bethesda game where you don't have a conversation like this it's like i need the blueprints from that person you have not <laughs> to take no for an answer you go to that person like oh, over my dead body and then you kill them and you take the blueprints back and they're like oh my god you killed them that's not what i wanted have some money anyway and it's that <laughs> over and over again but you know the dialogue is rich the characters are, are a lot of fun in this so that kind of stuff is forgivable yeah certainly on the on a planetary level the uh, procedurally, and I use the term in air quotes, because, uh, you know, the extent to which it's procedural and the extent to which a few of those bases just crop up over and over again on different planets um, is is something that can get a little frustrating, especially when you're landing on a planet. It's like, oh, you've got to go to this abandoned mine. It's like, oh, is it the same abandoned mine I saw on this <laughs> other planet? Just slightly reskinned to be icy <laughs> yeah. this time. Um, but, you know, it, it's a lot of that stuff is just there to give the world some texture they're not baked into the quests i think all of the set pieces in the quests are kind of quite well thought through um which you know there's there's a lot to love in that respect but no i completely understand the criticisms of it it being a slightly you know a bit a bit sparse in terms of a world but you know when you're pumping a game full of thousands of planets i don't don't know what people are expecting that we're going to meticulously hand design every single one of these Uh, you know contained expectations i think yeah and and even no man's sky which has been said in the same breath as this a lot um um which did do that sort of fluid transportation i mean i played that game a lot and and that that gets boring and repetitive as well to, to a point and and it but it's lacking that it's it's kind of that's too freeform there's no real structure there to a to a plot or it's it's all just gen- random and generated so you nothing to really grasp onto or very little i think so it's kind of like there is a something has got to give if you want structured story and campaign to a point yeah and then freedom um and i think that's what that's a lot of what they've got right this time is that there is a compelling story and you have like a cast of characters that you do get to know and i think that's that was perhaps one of the drawbacks of some of their other games as well where it's like you've got all of these factions but you're kind of allegiant to none of them because you're flitting between them and then you never really get to know anyone whereas this because you are with consolation there's then a cast of characters that you get to know very well um and then some of the more emotional beats in the story really land because you're invested in these people which i think which i think is great and they also do the smart move of having a crew uh, that's made up mostly of these members of Constellation gives you a persistent cast to bounce off. So every time you get back to your ship, all of the stuff that worked brilliantly with Mass Effect um, still rings true with this as well. Oh, how does that, how does that stack up to Mass Effect? I know they're very different sort of game designs. Yeah, I think it's the best way to think of this is very much um, Bethesda's attempt at making a Mass Effect. 
Uh, they've, they've not quite nailed it in all of the places, but you know, in terms of in terms of the the type of story that they're trying to tell, uh, the way that you interact with the world, it is very very reminiscent of Mass Effect. Again, I don't think it does stack up against Mass Effect because Mass Effect is just a much much tighter game. You think about the the level design, you think about the actual story there. It's it's all quite. Uh, it's all quite contained. It's all actually quite on the rails. So you have the option to opt into some of these side quests yeah. in Mass Effect, but realistically, once you get to a planet, there's not much exploration to be done. No, there's um, there's, so, al- there's always one promenade and six rooms. Yeah, of the promenade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... It's a, a lot of kind of get this, um, get that tablet back to me. I, I left it in the other end of this room. Exactly. <laughs> But I, I think right. the, I think the joy of Mass Effect was that they um, the world felt really deep and rich, and the sort of the uh, how well thought out the species and the universe was, and the and the sort of history that all painted over the cracks and the limitations of the fact that you are standing in one promenade with six rooms off it. Like it felt yeah. like a huge universe. Massively. And I think the story and the setting that they've kind of written into this is is deep enough to cover most of the cracks. It, I still don't think it's a patch on what Mass Effect has managed to achieve in certainly Mass Effect 2 as a, as a world building, you know, backdrop uh, of which to set a story. This has just got a lot of tropes, you know, there's a, there's a militarized faction and there's kind of like some space cowboys and then there's a cyberpunk looking area and stuff. It's like it's all it's all very derivative of things that I've seen before. But nonetheless, I, I do think it it works for for what they're doing. I mean, I've sunk an ungodly number of hours into this, and I think mostly because they gave me a stupid little ship, and I could build my own stupid little ship and fill it with people that I wanted in my stupid little ship and fly around the universe. And that's all I want. <laughs> that's all you want. That's all, that's all I, I want. That's all I think anyone. I'm being unreasonable. <laughs> um, uh, what did you play it on? On Xbox? I played it on. I played it on the Xbox Series S. And it holds up. It can absolutely function on that. But I played a lot of it through Xbox Game Pass and the cloud gaming. Um, so on like a 720p stream, getting about six frames a second from some varying janky internet connections. But still, even then, I thought it was good enough to keep pushing on with. On what? Just running it through? Uh... Yeah, I, either on my laptop or I've got one of those backbone things you can put on your phone as oh, well. Oh, nice. So okay. yeah, just playing, streaming straight through the Wi-Fi. But it, it, I mean, it, it's... If you love a Bethesda game, there's nothing to dislike in this. If you're yeah. new to the world of Bethesda, this probably isn't the starting point. I love it, yeah. And, well, look, I, I I think that's it. If you know what you're getting into, and I do, then I'm definitely going to give this a go when I have a spare 150 hours. next. I week. would say one of the more interesting things that they've done with it is the new game plus element, because that now serves a narrative reason there's a purpose behind new game plus this i don't want to say too much more because if anyone is playing it they'll see what that can result in but it is really interesting in terms of the the many universes this sort of sets up and how a new game plus run through won't necessarily be the same as your first one okay i won't won't say too much more but worth reading into multiverse um okay cool my my number three of the year is uh one that i think you recommended this last year in fact i'm very sure you did uh which was citizen sleeper right that was on your citizen list. sleeper it was yeah yeah. yeah yeah really good so i hadn't heard of this when we spoke last year and uh i went and sought it out and i was like yeah tom knows what he's talking about uh this is very good <laughs> uh and i so i downloaded it on steam and um and i also think this is available this is one of those small light games that is on 
switch it'll probably end up on mobile and would probably work work well there yeah massively there. yeah uh, this is a uh, it's kind of a it's it's an rpg um but it's a very light game it's very narrative and story driven it is um it's real bare bones it's basically a sci-fi setting you are a uh, essentially an android although they have a a name for it is it what is the name is it sleeper what i don't remember oh gosh yeah i yeah. think it might be a sleeper i can't it's got, remember it's got its own little lore it's set in the future you're you're basically a, a, a sort of a synthetic who has um you you have a certain amount of time to live right you're you're, you're about to expire uh, and you are basically trying to claw back as much time as you can uh, while living on a space station and kind of trying to get by so there's a sort of a resource management element to this to this game you're uh trying to keep your like you have to sleep you have to you have to eat despite being a synthetic um and then you kind of just take jobs and you navigate the story and then stuff kind of happens it's all done in a sort of a storybook comic book way so you, you know there's no um animations as such just kind of pictures of characters will appear with text and dialogue but very good very well written good voice acting and it's got a really novel um idea uh, of using dice um to resolve actions um much like a sort of tabletop role-playing game but you use the dice as a resource which i really liked as well so you yeah. get, you you get uh you know you start with two dice or two three dice or something and you can spend those three dice on three actions during the day to try and succeed yeah the resource management side of it mixed in with the kind of the the chance of the dice is a really interesting gameplay element that i've not really seen many other things even attempt um because the obvious challenges but it is like you say how it all kind of weaves into each other where you think okay i need to need to make sure i eat today and I need to sleep enough because if I don't do that, then I'm not going to have enough dice rolls for the next day. And then the next day gets much harder because you don't have as many die and then you're going to have less chances to re-roll things. And it's a, a very unusual uh, sort of gameplay loop. Exactly. And there's, and, and there's nothing like it. So top marks for for originality, lovely design. Again, it feels like one of those games, I didn't look into this, but it probably was just made by a handful of people um, and done really, really effectively. It's really sparse. It's very clever, and the world sort of slowly unfolds. It's a bit like a a, a, a Metroidvania, where the the station kind of starts to unlock um, bit by bit. So and you have the cycles as well, don't you? Which is like a lot of countdown elements where you'll know that something bad is going to happen in four days. So you kind of yes. got to get your act together before that runs out, and that kind of sense of time pressure and the perils of that is uh, is a re- you often see time. I feel like that was a thing back in the noughties and even before that where a lot of games and missions would have like a, a, kind of a countdown timer against them and there was a sense of pressure and urgency to to get things done That's, that seems to have been void for a very long time so to see it come back in this context is really interesting it's yeah, exactly right and and it creates so much conflict and tension which propels the thing along and and you know for example there could be like and, and they, they stack up you know you you owe money to a bartender and you've got three days to pay them and the, that bounty hunter that's looking for you is going to be back in five days and you know there's only you still got to eat yeah exactly you still got to eat and sleep at that time yeah <laughs> so just really really good um you know if you're in if you like tabletop role-playing games or just any any sort of rpgs that that's more narratively driven there's not a lot of the gameplay is kind of light here but it's it's kind of um 
it's 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 like a it's like a leveled up interactive graphic novel i would describe it as um yeah so yeah it's called citizen slipper not not slipper citizen <laughs> slipper you play uh, you play one pair one half of a slipper a hard-boiled slipper <laughs> beat the streets yeah it's like the shoe people do you remember that that show when we were kids um so citizen slipper uh, and it's available i think like anywhere uh and and i think it's so light it would run off probably run off a windows 98 computer if you needed oh it yeah to, i yeah. would like have a look on steam it's probably there it'll run off of uh, i think anything with a with a chip in it <laughs> so there you go that's my uh my number three here we go we're getting to the good stuff now tom what's your number what's your number two <laughs> of the year? um well this one i'm hoping is a game that you've heard of uh zelda oh that that from, game from little indie developer nintendo <laughs> <laughs> their, their latest uh iteration tears of a kingdom did you did you play breath of the wild i did i i got about halfway through it i didn't um stop because it wasn't amazing i just kind of did i got distracted i think and i, I, <laughs> and I do need happens. to go back and finish that um and i and i will get tears of the kingdom i have not played it yet but uh, well, uh i love that, breath of the world that is the interesting sort of backdrop to this i think as well because i only just picked up a switch this year i feel like when consoles are reaching their end of their life cycle that's when you're getting some of the best games coming out on them or it's certainly the most ambitious um so yeah picked up a switch this year thought i'd mop up all of the games that i've missed over the years but i wasn't sure whether to start with breath of the wild or tears of the kingdom um i had it on good authority from a mutual friend of ours actually massimo who told us that um if you have played Breath of the Wild, you'll probably burn out quite quickly on Tears of the Kingdom because there's a oh. lot that's similar. The map is is um, well, the map is effectively the same, just some, some additional elements. Um, and I've spoken to some other people as well who said said largely the same is that if you have played and absolutely loved Breath of the Wild, but you've only finished it recently, maybe wait a bit because it is a lot more of the same, but oh. some really smart additions to it. Okay. Um, the smart additions being this very sort of rudimentary but yet brilliant uh, construction mechanic. It's amazing how just building some things can completely overhaul uh, a game, or at least as far as Nintendo are concerned, inject enough life into it to be able to roll out a lot of the same things again. But good God, is it fun to stick some fans on a bit of wood and then fly away. <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> there's, um, there's very little lot to love about that. I, I mean, I think if you haven't, if you haven't the patience for it, um, then... You can actually probably get by ignoring a lot of the kind of build stuff on it. There's a handful of puzzles in there that I think certainly hinge on it. But um, yeah, a lot, to, a lot to love. I'm a sucker for anything where you can stick wheels on it and and a rocket launcher and then be on your way. That's that's the absolute dream for me. And it feels like a weird game to for them to have put that into, but nonetheless, it translates brilliantly well. Uh, amazing. Um, okay, so uh, Zelda games not really famous for plot or story um i presume it's much the same here you get a few well scenes at the actually beginning. Oh, this is no different no it's exactly <laughs> the same zelda's in trouble you've got to rescue zelda that's usually the, there's some sort of generic bad that's happening that seems to be taking over the, the land of, of hyrule and you need to go and sort of stop that and there's a bit of a timey-wimey kind of element i mean i i, I still feel like i've barely scratched the surface of it maybe this starts to pick up in the later acts but that's not really why i'm playing i'm playing so that i can attach more rocket launchers to, to wagons apparently that's not why anyone plays a zelda game you, it gives you just enough and I, I also like that uh zelda games when it comes to their um 
uh, story and really the gameplay. It's just kind of a, it's always just a bit of a remix and an iteration. You know, they don't, they, they don't ever, it's always Link and Zelda and Ganon and there's always puzzles. Like, they, like it's like, that's what Nintendo is so good at. And it's the same with Mario, really. They figured out long, a long time ago what works and they don't ever really change the secret sauce. They, they just kind of maybe just build on it or swap out little things or add things. And I thought Breath of the Wild was probably the biggest departure, really, from the traditional Zelda format where it's go to this dungeon, then that dungeon and get the thing that unlocks this thing. Whereas they, 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 they didn't just half arse an open world. They really did just like, here it is, off you go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I, th- I think they've built on that from this. So I think it is a perhaps return to the the realms of iteration. And certainly, what they've iterated on here is is quite massive. But you know, they've not they've not completely rewritten the map. They've just added some there's some stuff in the sky now. There's some stuff underground, but the land is largely still the land. Um, and a lot of a lot of things have kind of returned from that. It's all of the stuff that worked previously, and they're just adding more toys into the toy box, which I think is great. But I, I think you touched on it there as well. It's the the puzzles in this um are something that like absolutely top tier stuff i don't think they get much better than this in terms of that really sort of cerebral left brain thinking that you need to do when you step into a room being like okay here are all the pieces now find a way out doesn't get much better than that in the zelda games i don't think top tiers of the kingdom uh and that's <laughs> tom's number two that's uh high on my list as well and i have a switch so what am i waiting for i'll tell you what i'm waiting to get a lot of time uh, and also the number one game that I've got uh, is basically eating up all of my time. Uh, but before we get to that, I'll tell you what my number two is. So my number two is a game that definitely didn't come out in 2023. Um, it's a few years old. And again, it's on a lot of consoles. Um, it's a, called Stellaris. It's a, a 4X strategy S- game. Have you heard of it? Stellaris. I have heard of this. Yes, I have a feeling that's made by... One of my favourite developers. Yes, Paradox, I think they're called. Paradox, yes. they make the City Skyline games. Yes, and correct. Yeah. the amount of hours that I've pummeled into City Skyline, certainly the first one, the second one came out this year, which uh, was a, a sketchy release, but they're patching. But yeah, the first City Skyline game is astonishing. Absolutely loved it. Yes, I haven't played that. I want to, but... Uh, and and they, they, they these guys are famous for... They just just make strategy games, and they make incredibly deep and complex ones. They do a World War Two one, I believe, and they, you know, they, um, and and they also support them. You know, you spoke about patching these games. Stellaris is years old, but they have they release DLC for it. You know, like twice a year, basically. Um. So and they and they look after these games, and they and they build on them, and um, so it, in in a way, it is a new game. I'll give myself that. Um. So Stellaris, I played years ago on the PS4. Um, and then I got a new MacBook this year, so I decided to throw it on that. Uh, and it, yeah, it, this is better better run on a on a computer for sure, as as you would expect with a real time strategy game. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, you you need a mouse for this. Um, but this is a four X space simulator. Four um, X. I I looked it up because I was like, what is a four X game actually? Where does that come from? So it it actually comes from it's a subgenre of strategy based computer and board games including both turn-based, I'm reading from Wikipedia here, and real-time strategy titles. The gameplay generally involves building an empire, and the name 4X comes from an abbreviation of Explore, Expand, Exploit, Exterminate, 
<laughs> I was really hoping it was going to be a uh, 4X-like and 4X was a game that came out in like the 80s or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's a bit of an XCOM-like um, hmm. in a way. Uh, although, no, it's not because you're not building a, uh, an empire. So so I, I guess the most famous example of this would be Age of Empires, I think, or Civilization. Uh, they, they fall into this category. So, yeah, I'm a big sucker for this kind of, kind of thing. Um grew up playing uh my my favorite one as a kid was the star wars version of this star wars supremacy or i think it was called rebellion in the states yeah uh, which you can also get on steam and that's a lot of fun um so it's basically yeah, a giant map of uh the the uh galaxy uh including the milky way that's in there uh all your favorites earth <laughs> andromeda Saturn. let's go uh yeah it's got it all um and you're, it's basically Star Trek, right? So you've got a variety of uh, species. You can be humans. You can be, uh, you can be the Star Trek humans, the Federation humans, or you can be the militaristic sort of uh, dark world from Star Trek, the the, the mirror the Terrans. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, who, who are you know fascists essentially? Yeah, um, and there's a variety. So it it suits a variety. The, the races for every sort of play style you want. You, if you want to be a, a fascist dictator and conquer the galaxy, or if you want to uh be diplomatic and start you, you can start uh, a federation you can you can enter into diplomatic negotiations with other species you can can i be a nasa punk that's the question <laughs> i'm afraid not that is the that is exclusively <laughs> the domain of star draw the line yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i that second that latter option sounds boring because i think everyone intends to go into these games playing oh it's just like risk you just conquer all the conquer all the worlds and put their armies down and that is the inclination, but I got to say that why I like Stellaris so much is that it—it's almost I—I I found I play, I tend to be more diplomatic. I tend to enjoy that more, and it's more rewarding. Um, and it's—it encourages you to do it because you—it gives you just enough of sort of uh, interactions with alien species, just just enough sort of um, sense of their worlds. Uh, and and even little things happen like you you can discover just like Star Trek you can discover a um, a pre FTL civilization on a planet you just arrive at, and all of this is just told through through like a, one picture with some dialogue written under it, but it's always just compelling enough to be like oh I I kind of want to you know look after these people and 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 then you end up and and then you end up in interesting moral dilemmas because for instance in that example you might set up an observation station in orbit around them just to monitor them um, in case, well, they they become interstellar warriors or... A tier two civilization. Exactly. Um, And then interesting conflicts happen, like uh, there's two factions on that planet and they're about to nuke each other. Do you let it happen? (laughs) (laughs) What do you do, do, Dave? What do you do? Exactly. And you get get, get little dialogue options like that. with you know multiple choice answers uh and so it's got it's got a bit of a sort of role-playing game vibe to it in in that regard and that's just enough to invest you more in these tiny specs that you're moving other tiny specs around to um and i find that incredibly satisfying it's fun building building an empire i will give a warning to anybody who's uh, intending to give this a go even if you are familiar with 4x games or have played age of empires or, or or whatever this game is brutally complicated and, and, <laughs> and it takes no prisoners and it has the worst tutorial imaginable. It's essentially non-existent. It, it refuses to hold your hands. 
it just throws you into this and there are it's just an insane amount of resources that all do different things um famously i jo- well i joined the, the the game is famous for for um you know being like completely unfair um and and i joined the um subreddit for for stellaris and there are people in there who have sunk you know up to a thousand hours into this game and they they're they're still only discovering like <laughs> they discover a whole section of gameplay that they didn't know existed because it's because it's <laughs> hidden behind a tab somewhere um so so yeah you can get lost in this game but it is you you kind of do just need to i would suggest going on youtube and there's a lot of good videos um not non-official videos by people being helpful that will explain the basics of this game but it is incredibly rewarding i sunk about 60 hours into it over the year um and it, it's good a lot god of yeah. I yeah I know I completely understand the appeal as well and I having and I'm still even now pumping hours after hours into uh, civilization which similarly where you have a completely bonkers resource system that sits in front of you and uh, many sort of different wind conditions so this sounds right up my street especially as well I just had a quick look to see how many hours I'd put into city skylines and uh, since and this was a covid play so it explains a lot but I've done 400 and 46 hours into City Skyline. So I don't know if I need another Paradox game on my horizons, but I'm very tempted now because I did always wonder if this was any good. We might lose you forever. No, no, I... I, It's been nice knowing you. (laughs) I can confidently say that this is is your vibe, Tom. I think you would massively enjoy this. Um, And I think there is a multiplayer component to this, which I've never done. Um, But yeah, maybe maybe when we're old and grey and have hundreds of hours to spare... We could like imagine imagine a world where we have hundreds of hours to spare <laughs> bring on the apocalypse i'll play you in the bunker <laughs> one covid later and uh, we'll talk <laughs> all right here we are the number one of the year and this game my one has not been mentioned by you which leads me to think this might be your number one as well is your number one of the year Baldur's gate three tom my number one of the year is Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, How did you guess? Fantastic. Oh my god. How did I guess? Well, probably because it is sweeping up all the end of the game of the year awards and is clearly <laughs> one of the best games ever made. Um And rightly so, I think, as well. I know there was uh, some 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 backlash from that from people who have only played first person shooters in their life um and were like, Why is this turn based game winning? But it is extraordinary if you are into that kind of thing if you've ever played uh, an XCOM or even a Mass Effect or uh, what's that was their other one Dragon Age or any any of that kind of sort of stuff absolutely incredible yeah this game is I just blew me away I mean I like and I've been looking forward to this for a, for a while you know I had my eye on the alpha release a few years ago um, and I played my I played the Baldur's Gate games back on my uh, uh, Windows 98 clunky thing uh Baldur's Gate 2 Neverwinter Nights uh, I loved those games um I never knew that they were from Dungeons and Dragons uh, <laughs> I thought they were generic fantasy things um but later in life uh you know as we've spoken about in this podcast you know got into Dungeons and Dragons and this game I think is it means it's several things it is it is firstly a a an incredible adaptation of the the tabletop role playing Dungeons and Dragons experience. It's incredibly faithful to that. Um, it brings that that experience to life, as, I think, as closely as you could possibly get in in a video game construct. 
it's the best translation that I've seen of that as a format. I've seen some pale imitations, but in embracing the the D and D mechanics and just bringing that into a digital realm, it's it's a perfect translation of that. And and even improving upon the the previous games how they did it because the previous games were I think they, they had a, had a more sort of streamlined uh, approach to to action. There were all the dice was all the dice rolls were done behind the scenes. You know, whereas what I love about Baldur's Gate 3 is they just brought that to the fore right you're, you're they, they realize that people like to roll dice I love rolling dice and so yeah. clicking part of it's such a simple thing, pleasure but just clicking that d20 on the screen and then watching it roll uh, yeah it's a, a physical manifestation of of a of a dice that you see in game as opposed to it being a random number generator hiding behind the scenes yeah it, and, it all builds into that world they've they've gone it they've lent in full tilt and i love it it's and it's just such a sim- simple thing uh, but it's 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 beautiful and um uh larian studios who makes this game i played divinity original sin 2 um and i loved that and th- and this feels like a, a beautiful extension of that which it's it's a it's full circle because those games were inspired by D and D. I think they sought out this license for a long time. You know, they they badgered Wizards of the Coast to kind of to kind of get this, and eventually sort of got to a stage where they were confident they could do it. But they the strengths of those games they they translated perfectly to this with this D and D packaging. And what they've produced is a game that has, firstly, it's the best. I think one of the, the, the the best if not one of the best rpg experience video game rpg experiences you can have in terms of just building a character customizing you know all that stuff it's it, uh and then layering that with a, a fantastic story some of the best voice acting you'll ever hear in video games writing uh, and and then the level of detail they've applied right down in this in this world anything you can think of doing they've thought of it right they've anticipated it you can cast a spell which allows you to speak with animals and then you can go and talk to a cat or a mouse. And that cat or mouse will have recorded dialogue. Not only that... Rich, rich lines of dialogue and opinions and thoughts. Yes! <laughs> yes. And, and that's exactly it. It's not like, um, you know, uh, Bethesda or um, who are the Bioware or any of the other great studios who we've already referenced. Um who will just often repeat NPC dialogue. You know, you, you and we've all heard the same Grand Theft Auto wherever you walk past people, you, you NPCs, and they'll just give you the same, you know, oh, it's rainy out today, or... I oh, used to be an adventurer like you. Yeah, yeah I'll just go to some. Some call this junk, yeah. <laughs> like, what's so incredibly good about this game is that they, they, they never repeat anything. They give every single character who can speak, as you said, rich meaningful dialogue that's relevant to them voiced by different people it seems it seems and i'm sure there's some crossover but largely this feels like a a voice cast of of hundreds with accents that are um either incredibly well executed or people's original accents there's a lot of irish accents in this um which just feel like they they got an irish person it's so so good and i think that kind of bundles in with the characterizations in the writing all sort of sit together but i've in terms of a supporting cast for a game, I've never known anything quite like it in terms of that depth and breadth. Usually you get like yeah. a few characters written well, but to be able to do that for all of them is is really, really unheard of. Exactly. Some of the most memorable interactions you can have are with, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but just like there's a, there's a, there's a woman in act one uh, who um, you rescue 
and she doesn't want to be rescued and 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 <laughs> and, and it, it, it becomes it, you know it throws up very interesting moral dilemmas in that regard um but the other thing is the combat and and the the gameplay in this is you know, it's not repetitive. I think like a game like Diablo never appealed to me. I played a little bit of it because it's very just kind of just repetitive and, and grindy and hack and slash and you and, and which uh, appeals to a lot of people. I know those games are very popular, but what's good about um, Larian's games is that every combat and there are no two combat interactions the same. Even like fi- a Final Fantasy would do this, you know, we're going to fight these four guys again. Here we go. Um Every single yeah, encounter is different. We had something very uh, similar. I say we because I've been doing a co-op playthrough with a friend of mine, which is a whole other sort of dynamic to this as well, as opposed to just controlling your squad. You're controlling half the squad. It's you and one other, and they're controlling you and one other. Um, and it's fascinating how the game can go left on you very quickly. Um, if you are if you get one thing wrong or you say the wrong thing to the wrong goblin or you, you <laughs> like rummage through the wrong chest, uh, it can it can spit out some really interesting encounters. But equally, we, um, we had our ass absolutely handed to us in an encounter with a bear, um, where the bear decided it was just going to attack everyone. Um, and we had our asses handed to ourselves and then we were like, okay, we'll reload the save and then go again. You go again, you talk to the bear. It turns out the bear was a druid this whole time. It was a person disguised as a druid <laughs> or disguised as a bear. And then you go through the encounter again, you befriend the bear, the bear fights with you and it completely changes the dynamic of how it, how it unfolds. But it, so many of those little interactions can result in, in any number of things. I think with so many games you have, like, it's A or it's B in those eruptions. But this is, you know, A and B with their own caveats, but also, you know, C through to Z ways that something could go down in any given encounter. Yes, I, I had a similar experience where I um, agreed to assassinate some people. And so, so I did that and I had a lot of fun doing it and I stealthed in the shadows and I assassinated X person. And then I found out later on the internet, X person was a, was like a, a part, could be as a potential party member. You know, that person <laughs> so could join your You've missed out your on your party. recruitment yeah. because you murdered them. <laughs> and there's a whole plot. They've got their own story. You can even have a relationship with that person. Not anymore. It was just, no, it was just like, no, I just chose to assassinate them. Uh, so, so yeah, you're, you're right. There's a whole variety of options in this game. Like, like the depth of this game is incredible. It looks amazing. It just runs well. It's incredibly immersive. It is... Like it, it, it is just perfect. It's like it, perfection. They polished this to within an inch of its life, and you know when when we're living in a world like uh, when we get a, a release like Cyberpunk, which we should say seems to have been fixed now and is apparently great, and I do want to play yeah. it. Um, but when 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 you when we live in a world where game studios to to uh, are are being rushed for deadlines and there are a lot of pressures. You know, it seems like Larian just kind of have finessed their, uh, like Nintendo, you know, realized, have been honing their craft for a while, realized what works and just spared, you know, spared no detail and, and gave this complete attention to everything. They anticipated everything. So it's an it's an incredible achievement. And, well, and props to Larian for that as well, because they don't have the backing of the AAA developers who have been making these massive games that have come out somewhat flawed. And to that end, I'm sure they don't have the same crunch problems necessarily. But, uh, you know, the Larian team compared to a CD Projekt Reg is tiny. Um, they've just been hashing at this game for years. And I think one of the one of the reasons that it 
the gameplay in it is so tight and so so vast is that because it's so heavily grounded in the D&D systems that's effectively 50 years of playtesting they've mm. had to get the back end right and then all they've had to do well all they've had to do he says like it's easy um but one of the, the means that they can spend more time bringing um all of these like these worlds to life these characters and you know embellishing it with a really really rich narrative and the the Baldur's Gate series is an interesting one because it used to be owned by Bioware and Bioware of course made Mass Effect yes. and the heydays of Mass Effect was brilliant now that license sits with Larian I'm not sure of the movements of people but they've been building on a legacy of people who have known what they've what they're talking about what they've been doing for a long time it's sitting on the shoulder of giants but it it absolutely sees further just to really labor that um analogy <laughs> yeah they have become giants um so yeah look i think uh we could spend hours gushing on this game but we uh we, we should wrap this up um I, I i listed off a few things uh i didn't get to play which i think we should should mention i'm sure you've got a few as well um that 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 mario game where he turns into an elephant looks like fun wonder yeah yes. that's it thank you Poker yeah things. Uh, I will probably play that at some stage. Dave the Diver looks looks great. Dave the Diver, everyone loves Dave the Diver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Haven't didn't, didn't get a chance to. It's the little sushi making diving game. Which yeah, it looks like is, a lot of for fun. some reason the smash hit. Yeah, no, it does. And again, really looks does. looks very charming. And uh, um, what else? Uh, Spider Man Two. I want to play uh, Cyberpunk. We mentioned. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to to bring up, Tom? Uh, yeah, there's a little game called Dredge, which I didn't get a chance to, where I think you play a, a little trawler ship that goes fishing, but in slightly spooky waters. But yeah, another little indie game, kind of inventory management-y type thing, um, but looks like a, a great deal of fun. And uh, of course, Alan Wake 2, mm. part of the, the Remedy series. I loved, um, I loved the, oh God, what was it called? I loved it so much, I can't remember the name of it. Max Payne? Max Payne was brilliant. Yeah, that was them. But also the other one, Control. Really oh, Control, Control was great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I, and um, I read somewhere that these are all set in the same universe as well. They're setting up a bit yeah. of a, a crossover universe, I think, is what they're kind of running for. But I, I'm not sure. I hear there's there's rumours of there being more um, Max Payne on the way. Um, but yeah, the Alan Wake, Alan Wake series, I think, is, is a really interesting one to kind of build out. Yes, that's a good game. It's kind of like Twin Peaksy sort of Stephen King mm-hmm. vibes. Yeah, that first one was very a, much was a lot of fun. Um, all right, Tom, uh, thanks very much for for joining me um, for our top four top games four. of the year. <laughs> um, and thanks everyone for uh, for listening. Big shout out to uh, uh, Paul Wallace as well in our uh, in the Cinema Patreon, who is our number one fan. He asks every year, are are, <laughs> are we going to be doing this? Uh, and every year, I say absolutely. And every year. The lists get smaller and smaller until eventually. <laughs> you can look forward to our top two next. Year. Um, all right, Tom. As always, thanks. Uh, thanks so much. Do you want? Do you want to uh, plug anything? Do you want to? Uh, no, you, you just Google me. It might be useful to you. Uh, Tom Silcock. That's me. That's my name. S i l c o c k. You'll you'll find me. There he that's is. Always Go- a pleasure. Google Tom Silcock. Uh, and if you if well if you do want to reach out I'll, I'll pass on any messages to Tom uh, as always we are at thecinemile at gmail.com if you want to email us or at thecinemile on uh, Instagram or Letterboxd although there's not much video game chat on Letterboxd and uh, of course Cathy and I uh, have done our best uh, movies of the year and our best TV episodes of the year so all of that is up in the feed so go have a listen to, to those and uh, thanks for listening and Tom I'll see you next year
Thanks, Dave. Pleasure well, as always. Well, I won't. I'll see you before then. But uh, <laughs> they'll listen to us next year. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, Tom. Lace your heart with mine. Let your sleeping soul take flight. Take me through the night. Down, down, down by the river. Down, down, down by the river. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.